Hello and welcome to the Learn Medical Art podcast where we share our tips, tricks and advice on the medical illustration and animation industry. I'm Emily Holden, a medical illustrator and animator. And I'm Anna Campbell, also a medical illustrator and animator. You can find our show notes and resources from this episode and more educational content such as industry interviews, tutorials and more at www.learnmedical.art. Well Annie, it's a new year and a new cohort of students have entered into the world of medical illustration. Congratulations to all of you who are embarking on this creative learning journey we're sure you've got a lot of things to do assignments labs and getting to know your classmates and teachers I thought it'd be useful if we chatted about a couple of tips and things that new students can do to help with their skill building as they go through the medical illustration courses oh sounds great let's get started Emily okay so I'm going to kick this off by saying that the first skill that's worth honing is learning to talk about your work here's a skill that will come in super handy for everyone Mm. those thinking about going freelance as well for those aiming to join a studio you will need to be able to present your work and goals of the project throughout your career. And sometimes you might even have to do it on the spot. For sure. Learning how to talk about your work in a nurturing environment like your course is super helpful because you can gain valuable and honest feedback from your lecturers and classmates. Don't wait to find your voice on a job because you'll have a bunch of other things to focus on and anxiety and panic might creep in and hinder that process. This is coming from personal experience. And so I'm basically saying, don't, don't be like me. Don't, don't make my <laughs> mistake. <laughs> I feel like students who come from an art background have a lot of experience sharing their design thinking. When you say that, Emily, any tips for people who, who didn't come from an art background? Yeah, coming from an art background, I was very used to group critique sessions and having to justify what I created. Mm. I can't remember if it was every week or every two weeks, we would kind of all gather around each other's work and people could just ask questions. And for many people coming from more of the science background, this might seem really alien. And Uh I think the main tip I can offer you is just people aren't doing it to try and attack you in your work. I guess it's it's more part of a group crit session is to actually just talk through your process and the reasons for your decision making throughout um, what you've created. And people might counteract that with some other ideas. And a lot of the time, a lot of good and interesting things that you may not have even thought about come up in the conversation. So Mm. I've always found it's actually really useful. I think um, when I first started as an 18 year old art student, I was uh, (laughs) very much had my guard up and took everything to heart. But I think if you can go in with an open mind and just know that these sessions are to get other people's perspective because you might have done something in a very specific way but if you if you are aiming for your illustrations and your work to be able to communicate to a wide audience then you need to have other people's input at some time yeah for sure and and, you know it's so true when now you work with clients as well they're not going to love the first thing that you present to them and it's a collaborative process isn't it so you you kind of have to take what they say into consideration but if your emotions are there it kind of makes it harder to think critically and analyze it yeah so i think one of the main tips for learning to talk about your work is to try the same structure each time you present your work. Uh, This way, you know what you need to talk about next without tripping yourself up. One thing that's good to do is start with a quick intro to your project, uh, who it's aimed at and what are the goals of this work, and then talk about the work and how it addresses these goals. And it's at this point that you share your design thinking and say, oh, I put this here because it helped with X, Y, Z. After that, then you can talk about any challenges that you're facing or questions that you might have. You can maybe say, oh, I'm not sure about the choice I made here and I'd love to get feedback on this part. 
And this will help people reviewing your work focus on areas that you're struggling with so that they can do their best to help. Mm. Then finally, with the next steps is what you intend to do with the project. Is there anything else you need to do to bring it to the final level? Are there more rounds of reviews and edits? Are you researching more on certain things? Yeah, I like that. So it's kind of like a structured formula you go through each time. I wanted to add a little something to that. And it's never to assume that your audience knows as much as you. So be ready to share information to bring everyone up to speed, basically. And and one more thing is don't just talk to fill the silence. You're only going to dig yourself into a deeper hole. Uh, I've done that before. Uh, <laughs> there's a great video from Matthew and Sina who shares tips on how he managed to talk to clients in meetings and present work. And we're going to share that in the show notes with you. I think it's worth checking out if you're definitely a little bit unconfident in speaking. Mm -hmm. Learning to talk about your work brings us nicely to our next section and that's constructive criticism. Yes, it is a learnable skill. Mm -hmm. Learn to take criticism as a way to better yourself, except that you might have areas of non-expertise. So be open to learning from others and above all else, listen to advice when someone openly gives it to you. You might find that you won't get as much when you enter the professional field. So really use this time to just absorb as many different opinions and points of view as possible. So for those who haven't come from an art background, getting your work criticised will take a while to get used to. Uh, We've seen arguments and fallouts between classmates during group critiques and it's just important to keep in mind that this type of behavior and response to criticism just will not cut it in a professional world. No, definitely not. No. (laughs) Understand that good constructive feedback about your work isn't something that's personal. It's provided to help you achieve your project goals and to push you to go further. This is how you'll learn and level up your skills. It'll take time and practice to keep your emotions in check so seek out as many opportunities for feedback as you can. Don't just rely on scheduled group critique sessions. Your school might only have one critique session per semester um, and that's it's just really not enough. Mm. It should really be weekly sessions to give you enough time to practice your presentation skills. Don't rely on your lecturers to schedule things for you. You and your peers should be able to get together and just have these weekly or bi-weekly sessions between yourselves. You could even invite professional medical illustrators to call in on these sessions and observe how they give critiques. Ooh, nice idea. I like that. We talk about taking criticism, but what about giving criticism? Learning how to give good constructive criticism also takes practice and it's useful to learn how to put design thinking into words. Yeah, this is something I struggled with in the past. For the longest time, I I didn't know how to explain design work or my thought process to other people in a professional or even understandable manner. I was incredibly shy and I lacked the confidence in sharing my thoughts. And I think also people would misunderstand me and then someone next to me would say what I thought was exactly the same thing and people would understand them instead. So it was just so frustrating. You know, I felt really frustrated. So I decided that after a lot of practice and research, I I talked a lot to myself. It eventually led me to a place where I finally felt comfortable in group critique sessions and and meetings. And I finally feel like I can contribute to a team and help others grow creatively because I'm able to put my thoughts into words more eloquently. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a fine line of knowing when to provide feedback and when it's actually off value versus just commenting for the sake of saying something. Be the person that provides value, not the person who needs to be heard. Mm. There's so many resources out there from various pro artists and art directors that have shared how they give good constructive feedback. Go find them. 
I wanted to add another point on the group critique sessions before we move on, and that's participation. You need to participate. You can't just sit there and be the silent one in a big group of people. Yeah, Emily, and you and I have seen this when we lectured together at this one time. I think mm. uh, we sat in on a classes group critique session. There are about 10 artists there and really only two were participating in the group critique session. Yeah, no, I remember this. And I think the rest would go up and present their work and get feedback and then sit back down and stare at their laptops. Mm. To be honest, it was really just very strange and very uncomfortable. I think, I don't know how it would have been if I was actually the one presenting to feel that I'd gone up and said my piece and looking around and knowing that no one was listening yeah and that's that's absolutely not what it's meant to be about that was the air in the room and it was yeah. very strange there was two artists there at the time who were sitting engaging and actively trying to understand each person's project and provide constructive criticism to help them with their projects yeah those two artists stood out to me and I remembered them for a long time afterwards and participation is not about talking it's also just being engaged looking at what is presented to you being part of the conversation. Yeah, and this trickles into your professional life, especially when it comes to team meetings and project reviews. Yeah, I, I don't like it when I see an artist not listening or taking notes in a team meeting. That really um, no. bugs me a little bit. <laughs> I mean, it's part of their job. So why would they not do their job? <laughs> <laughs> I know just, it makes no sense yeah and and you know just because like a conversation as part of the team meeting doesn't involve them doesn't mean they can't learn something from it so I'm gonna I'm gonna stop myself here <laughs> before I turn this conversation <laughs> oh, into a venting session what other tips do we have to share, Emily? Yeah, that's okay, Annie. <laughs> uh, the next tip I have is practice, be patient and keep going. Mm. When you start any of the medical illustration courses, you're expected to pick up many new techniques and software. The learning curve is very steep and you might feel frustrated when things don't come out the way you want it. And practice is key. Just don't get disheartened from the start of term if you don't feel like you're achieving what you'd hope to. There are a lot of things that can hinder creativity and the stress of a new situation, a new peer group, new tutors. These can all really impact on your creative juices. Mm -hmm. Instead of stressing and getting frustrated with yourself, just keep practicing and no one becomes a master overnight. Yeah, remember that rule that's one of our Instagram followers said is just getting better by 1% every day. Yes. Yeah, I love that. I mean, keep that in mind. And when you look back after a year, you'll be so proud of all the things you've accomplished. You'll probably be surrounded by a lot of really talented people and those fraudy imposter syndrome feelings might creep in from time to time. Yeah, don't fall into the comparison trap and tell yourself that you can't do this or that you're not talented enough or that somehow you entered into the program out of sheer luck. <laughs> probably a lot of people think that. Actually. Oh yeah, I definitely thought that. <laughs> yeah. like, how did I get here? What's Aww. going on? What happened? <laughs> Like, just remember, for you, Emily, and for everyone, all the students <laughs> out there, you worked really hard to get to where you are, and you're gonna continue to work hard to get further, all right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> One thing that's useful to remember is talent is a skill that can be learned and honed. If someone is doing something cool in your class, go and learn how they did that. Ask them questions, expand your knowledge base, 
annoy the hell out of them. Be friends with them. <laughs> Say, show me how you did this. Take advantage of that and take advantage of the facilities and all the courses as well while you're at the school. Take risks. It's much better to take creative risks at uni than stay in your comfort zone and not progress. Plus, you know, taking risks whilst being a student is a lot lower than having to take risks while on the job. <laughs> um, and if you're still feeling inadequate, especially if you're entering a program from a non-science background, it can be pretty daunting mm -hmm. you may initially feel a little bit out of your depth and panic that you don't know as much as your peers who have come from a science undergrad just remember that your artistic talent has got you this far and that you have valuable skills in area that are probably causing them a lot of stress as well <laughs> yeah it can be really helpful to uh, team up with one of your peers and ask those stupid questions you might be <laughs> too embarrassed to ask in front of class <laughs> and yeah everyone who gets into those courses deserves to be there so hold your head high and share what you do know with your peers yes this year, things are moving online for learning and teaching, and many of the students that we know have moved home to continue their studies online. We asked our SciArtNow Instagram audience if they had any questions about this, and some of them expressed uncertainty and sadness at having been separated from their classmates. There might be feelings about missing out on course experiences or missing that one-on-one -on -one time with lecturers, a loss of motivation, or even trying to navigate that shift to independent learning really quickly. So I think maybe, Emily, you and I could provide some insights into how we work together, you know, because we're not in the same city in Scotland, and we probably only see each other in person what, once a year, maybe less. <laughs> yeah. yeah, very much less now. Very much less now. <laughs> we're only an hour and 20 minutes away from each other, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Might as well be another country. I'm not going there. <laughs> The great thing is we've managed to motivate and work with each other across these distances. And it's all thanks to things like our Facebook chat or our Team Slack channel. It, it just keeps us connected. So a couple of students that we know have their own private Facebook group that they've set up for their class. And this really helps if each one of them is in a different time zone. They can post to these groups and someone will pick it up later. The thing is, these groups can die down if there's a lack of participation. So it might be useful to have certain submission dates, like every Friday. Ideas a share your work Friday where people can post work in progress pieces for the rest of the class to critique. Mm. This is great practice for what we've already talked about. Every Monday could be the check-in day to see how everyone's doing, catch up with each other's mental health, or even share some study from home tips. Yeah, and you can share resources, tutorials, and articles on these Facebook groups as you come across them, and just to keep everyone engaged. Outside of that, you can even schedule study sessions on there or do virtual meetups on Zoom where you draw together. I know Biocom Hive organized something like this a while back and it was so nice to sit and chat with other medical illustrators as we all just sat there and drew together. It was lovely. Oh, that sounds really lovely. I'm sad I missed out on that one. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully there will be more. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Another thing to stay connected is, is to just get on social media. It's a great way to network with other students from other courses courses as well and begin to network with professional medical illustrators. I know that's how I met Annie at the very beginning. Yeah, I, I remember stalking you a little bit before we met in person, Emily. Me too. <laughs> so when I moved back to Scotland after spending so many years in the States, I felt really lonely that I didn't know any medical illustrators in the UK. 
and all the cool things seem to be happening in the US or elsewhere. And so social media has been absolutely amazing for me to stay connected with my old classmates or co-workers in the States. But on top of that, I've also met so many new medical illustration friends around the world via social media. And I don't feel so alone anymore, especially if I need help or if I need reassurance or just someone who thinks like I do. Yes, get on social media. Like right now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the time to start self-promoting your work is now and it's all share, share, share. We've seen people start their social media channels and self-promotion after they've graduated or maybe just before their grad final show. Mm. And it's just a little bit too late in the game by doing that. Mm-hmm. You need to understand that some companies have hired students even before they've graduated. This means that they were already on the company's radar. And it's usually because these students have a solid online presence. I know that being in grad school means a lot of independent learning, but if you're really stuck on things or have suggestions on how to improve your current situation, then reach out to your professors. We know a lot of the professors and they are so passionate about making the best experience for each one of their students, but they can't help you if they don't know that you're struggling. This is something that I probably throughout my whole university experience have taken away from that is if I could go back in time, I should have just reached out and asked for help when I needed it. Yeah, rather than spending all this time just fretting over for hours or days or months. Absolutely. Or even just getting to the end and then just being really upset with my grades when I was like, well, nobody helped me. And I'm like, well, how did they know? Yeah. How are they supposed to read my mind? <laughs> That's the thing, right? They, yeah. you know, when I also felt that, I thought I was like, mm-hmm. but they should feel my feelings. What? Can they not see my sad face? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, they probably see like 20 or 30 or 400 sad faces sitting in front of them. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. Honestly, it's amazing how passionate these professors are about their students. I've seen some of them bend over backwards and spend weeks moving things in the background and just like talking to different people to help one student out. One professor once told me they have the end of year feedback on the course and overall, and there were some issues that one student wrote in their feedback notes. And the professor said, well, had we known about that at the time, we would have fixed it immediately. We've done everything that we could have to fix it and made it better for them. But they just didn't know. They just had no idea. And they were really sad about that. So don't wait till the end. If something's wrong, (laughs) tell them or ask for advice. Earlier, we mentioned about that shift to independent learning. We all know a little bit about that too, because each one of us has worked freelance and are now also working remotely for our business. The number one thing to stay motivated and to keep productive is to maintain a consistent schedule. Mm. Wake up at the same time every day and set specific work hours. In academia, your work hours are pretty intense, but there's this weird expectation that you have to work 12 hours or more a day. Otherwise, you're not working hard enough or learning. I'll tell you one thing right now, Emily, you're not learning if you're sleep deprived and depressed. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) It's impossible to maintain that kind of work ethic for long and you'll probably burn out. Yeah, that's definitely right. So what's worked for us is to set regular work days, nine to five. Those are your work hours. After that, it's time to relax and you can go and do things that you enjoy like trying out new drawing techniques or practices or set up a zoom call draw with your classmates that can be social time as well and learn to break up your day for what works best for your brain 
So in the mornings, I tackle difficult tasks like reading journal papers or doing a lot of problem solving tasks because that's when I'm most awake or when I'm more actively learning. In the afternoons, that's where I'll switch gears and I'll probably do production work like digital painting or then start looking more at tutorials that helps me do that kind of production work with my projects. Discipline is key here. If you set aside hours to, say, write a paper, do it. Don't get distracted by something else or go down a rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> this is rich coming for us. <laughs> this is very, very rich coming very from rich. us. Sitting here um, doing a podcast when we should yeah. be doing something else. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, it's okay. <laughs> I think, yeah, just be mindful of maybe what can even trigger you going down into your rabbit holes. Is there a certain time of the day that maybe your energy levels are low and you're more likely to go and look for loads of stuff on the internet get really distracted maybe start taking note of the times of day that this is happening like try and catch yourself doing it and then work on ways that you can try and get yourself back into work mode for when I first started freelancing and working at home by myself I would just maybe like every half hour just pick up my phone and then so I have the iPhone and it tells you how often you can like pick it up so it mm. was pretty bad so I locked my phone in a cupboard in another part of the house because then there's no distractions is there Emily <laughs> sounds like a very wise idea yeah wise and crazy idea but it worked for me for the time <laughs> being <laughs> yeah i should maybe do that too <laughs> and on that note i think it'd be a great time to wrap it up and do a quick summary so what have we covered and what are the main takeaways for our listeners so emily today we talked about a couple of things the first tip that we discussed was learning to talk about your work this is a soft skill that many of us need to develop the second tip is that we cover how you can use constructive criticism to grow your skills. Thirdly, giving good constructive criticism and participation in these critiques is really important. Number four, be patient and keep going. This is a long game you're playing. Number five, say goodbye to those fraudy feelings. Goodbye. There's no room for that in your success. <laughs> Number six is to stay connected with your classmates and lecturers. Number seven, communicate often. Ask for help or provide feedback if you think things can be improved for you. And finally, number eight is to set a schedule. Be disciplined and do the hard work that you signed up for. I think that's about it, Emily, just to get people started. That's really great. Thank you, Annie. And thanks everyone for tuning in to our Learn Medical Art podcast. You can find our show notes and resources from this episode on our website, www.learnmedical.art. Give us a follow on social media at Learn Medical Art. And if you want to get in touch, you can reach us via our website or send us a direct message. If you like this episode, go ahead, leave us a review. We would love to hear your feedback. Stay tuned for our next episode where we share more tips, tricks, and advice on working in the medical illustration and animation industry.